ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, your boy, George McKay, and this is the MLW Rewind. It's super early in the morning. It's like 8.30 here. We're going to be dropping this episode around 10. <laughs> Uncle Bobby B is pissed at me, but I got a baptism I had to do today. So family obligations aside, I know we're a little bit late. Like I said, these last couple of weeks have been crazy with family stuff, personal issues, but we're still making rewinds. Even though they're late, they're still coming. Without further ado, let me welcome my PIC, my best friend and yours, Uncle Bobby B. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Fucking eight thirty in the morning, man. Yeah, get cats. <laughs> Ooh. All right, so let's get right into it because I know you want to get back to bed and get some shut eye, some more beauty sleep for you. So it starts <laughs> off with a Kruger promo. Uh, Contra made Jacob Fatu a god. You were feared as a monster, but tonight you will know the real monster. Now. I, I like these Kruger promos as of late because I don't know if you, I know you agree with me, Rob, you can actually hear him. You can hear everything he's saying word for word, not just pick up a word here and there, but hear everything from beginning to end. And it's actually really nice to finally be able to understand what the fuck he's saying. I concur. <laughs> okay. I concur. That's it. Yeah. It's nice to be able to hear what he's saying. Uh, just like they're doing with Fatu. They're adding a little bit more depth to the Kruger character. We're getting layers now. We're getting layers. Yes, you're right. You're right. And, you know, Kruger kind of flipped that that uh, kind of angle they've been doing with Fatu. To, you know, you're not a monster. And they show that picture of him, like, you know, in tears, sitting there when they were... <coughs> Excuse me, it's early. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. They're, they're doing... They're doing good. They're they're calling back stuff from previous Pro Bowls for, for the content and stuff. So it's uh it was a good promo and it set up a nice little uh, match tonight. Absolutely. And uh we also get right off the bat, Emilio Sparks, he's in the trenches like he always is, and he's been waiting apparently for two hours for an exclusive interview with EJ and Duca. Two hours he waited. Like, I mean, I I'm a podcaster, I've had stars come on my show, I've, I've interviewed people. But I have never waited two hours. If they don't show up within a half an hour, I know they, they forgot, and I just move on. But he's committed. Two hours he waited. And Duca comes out, and he makes a mistake right off the bat. He actually touches Nduka, which Nduka is not happy about. He actually, at one point, picks him up like you would a kid, a child, and pins him up against, not so much the pinning up against the wall, but picks him up like a father or mother would pick him up, like between underneath the, uh, the armpits. Mm-hmm. Pins him up against the wall and says, I like your style. I like your swag. Hammer and me are good. But don't ever touch me again. And just kind of walks off. So Hammer and me are copacetic. Copacetic, that's right. He's basically, uh, Sparks was looking for, uh, I guess, some juicy tidbits about the dynasty implosion. Where Nduka stood on which side. And all he said was, Hammer and me are good. He didn't even really bring up Holiday at all. Well, Hammer and me are good. That's it. I, I think it's pretty clear. Like, Nduka, EJ is... I love EG's energy and, and stuff like that. I, I'd love to get him get him on here and just have a – I think we could have a great conversation with him. But, um, yeah, he uh, is clearly not a fan of the situation with Holiday and Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't come come right out and say it, but the fact that he's saying, like, me and Hammer are good, I think pretty much pretty much says it all. And, yeah, like, I've, I've been kind of curious after what happened, like, where EJ has stood because he was – you know, very closely associated with those two guys prior to this happening. So I was kind of like, hmm, what's EJ's take on things? And, and is Hammer going to have uh, a little bit of backup in the event that things get dirty? See what happens. I don't think so. I don't think so. And the only reason I say that, it's not because uh, Nduka 
is going to choose to stay out of it. I think it's because lines were already clearly drawn when these guys kind of got together and had their little, like, like you said, their close ties around war chamber times. And Duca said early on in those, in those time periods, don't get it twisted. I'm going to help you now, but I'm still eyeing the title. And Hammer fully respected that and said, I want, I want the best of the best. So if you get that shot, you know, come at me, give me everything you got. So even though Nduka and Hammer are good, I think he means they're good on the, the level of respect. I don't see Nduka running out there to save Hammer. I really don't. I do. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But you know what? You could be right. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. It would be the first time in a while you've been right, but it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> all right anyway i love you early in the morning we got to do these more often you are not a morning person and i love it i love it not at all at all all right all right now we get a uh a trios uh tag match you know six-man tag if you will and uh the teams we got are erez gino medina and mini mistro abismo abis abismo negro. negro the black abyss the Black Abyss. And also they were accompanied by Dr. Dax, a.k.a. the Gimp from Pulp Fiction. We've already established that. Go back through the archives and rewind to know what we're talking about. And the opposite side, we have Aldrango or Aldragano, uh, Aramez. Aramez and Arez, they're pretty much fixtures now in MLW, guys. You've seen them a bunch of times. And we're also introducing that St. Laurent mystery man, the best pound-for-pound fighter. Pound the lights go dim. St. Laurent's in the middle of the ring. He's ready. He's willing. He Lights go on, and it is and man. And hold on, mm. the lights go on. The theme for Jesus Christ Superstar plays. Yes. Uh, and and I actually, I'm gonna be honest. I fucking popped for that. Like I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form, but I just popped for that theme because uh, that was a theme that the original Rock, the magnificent Morocco Don Morocco, used to use in WWF. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, like, when I heard it come on, I immediately popped because I thought of Don Morocco. And then Don Morocco was a big monster of a man. And then you had Micro Man come out. And I'm, and I'm like, holy shit, this dude is small. Like, I, obviously, he's, he's a many. But, like, he's particularly small. And I thought, well, this is going to... I clearly never heard of Micro Man. I'm not plugged into the South American and many steam, mm -hmm. but like, shit, this match was amazing. Like, was. and it that actually, dude fucking can go. Yeah. And it sorry, was, it, no, no problem. It was, is labeled as a, not a mixed tag match, if you will. It was a mixed size match. So you had the regular size Lucidors, as the announcer said, with the minis. So both teams had a mini. They had mini uh, Black Abyss, and then we had Microman. So each team had a mini to go with. And like you said, I'm not going to lie. This match went about 25 minutes and it was very entertaining. Uh, very entertaining, except the commercial breaks right when good stuff was happening. And we got to see Steven fucking new. I get he's the sponsor, but you know what? There's a time and a place. Let the match run its course. I, I get you pay for time. I totally get that, Steven new. And I understand you're going after Xantex for cancer, but come on, man. I want to watch this match. So other than the commercial breaks with Steven new. Uh, the match was great. It did take me out a couple of times, but luckily enough, it did give me one very key bathroom break, which I appreciated Stephen New for coming at that time. So thank you, Stephen New, for that. But um, yeah, one of my favorite spots in the match, though, was when Erez and Aramis were kind of tangled in that, I guess you will, like a, I don't know, they were, their, their hands were tangled together. And Aramis walked from the ramp to the guardrail 
over Dr. Dax, actually used Dr. Dax as a stepping stone to get yeah, back in the ring cool. to flip right over the ring ropes and then bring Aramis in for a very sweet over-the-top arm drag. Like, that was impressive. But Microman was amazing. And how well he was utilized in this match uh, from the, uh, as you like to call it, as Excalibur does every time somebody flies out the ring. He actually did. Oh, Suicida. Yeah, he actually he did. Suicida, but he stopped. And he actually used Gino Medina as a stepping stool to get to Micro Black Abyss to do the hurricane run on the opposite. He ran up to the rope, stopped, like gingerly got out and then did it. Oh, <laughs> man. And, and I think it's important to remember the moves this guy's doing, like, like a normal person does a hurricane rana, okay? And I'm jumping up and I'm scissoring your head and I'm flipping backwards. You know, it's I'm I'm like six feet tall, give or take. So if I'm jumping up and I do a rotation, I, I come back, my head's maybe a couple feet off the ground, and I flip onto my stomach, and the other person does their flip. Microman doing a hurricane rana, that dude's like five feet up in the air. When he does a hurricane rana, he comes down. He's dropping like four feet. Like, it's it's a hell of a bump for a guy to take. He's doing arm drags. Like, it, it's – I think it, we got to appreciate, like, that dude falls from a greater height when he's doing an aerial move. on, And he's got a smaller frame. Like, dude went through some shit. I was extremely impressed with Microman. And uh, yeah, Saint Laurent was putting him over, like – Yeah, well, he took a lot of – like, Gino Medina gave him a kick square in the face and, like, sent him fucking across the ring. Like he, as absolutely much as he some amazing bumps, he took some amazing bumps and he told a great story. And I would have to agree with St. Laurent. Uh, he kept my eyes fixated on him throughout the entire match. Cause I was waiting to see what the hell he was going to do next. Another great spot was when Gino was on the floor begging for mercy outside of the ring when he wanted no piece of Microman and Microman gave him a sweet temple kick to the side of his face after his begging was fell on deaf ears. Like, and Microman again, when, when he goes to kick you at your temple, a regular, you know, a regular man like you or myself, about six feet tall, it's not that high of a jump. But Micro Man, he's jumping four or five feet up in the air. And this dude yeah. has some hops, man. He really does. And he was fucking over. The crowd was digging Micro Man. I think the crowd was just digging this match all together. It was all, like, I say all over the place, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, there was just a lot going on, really cool spots. Uh, they gave them a lot of time. Like, what was this, like a 20, 25-minute match? I want to say it, it was somewhere between the 20 to 25-minute range, including yeah. what happened with Gino Medina at the end. So, right. uh, long story short, uh, this match was very entertaining. We'll just give you guys the winners, but go back and watch it if you haven't watched it and see what we're talking about. So, Microman, Eldergano, and Aramis, they come out with the victory. And as they're walking away, Rich, who is now the commentator, I guess, backstage commentator, as well as uh, the, the front commentator, he's trying to get a word with Gino, and Gino throws a little, like, child bitch temper. He pushes Rich right to the ground, he throws the ref, and he kind of storms off to the back. And Rich looked pretty hurt. He looked pretty hurt. His back hit that apron hard. I mean, he, he might have oversold it a tad bit, but Gino, yeah, a little bit of a bitch move. Gino Medina has not won. I checked this stat out. He has not won since his return last March. Gino Oof. Medina has not won since almost a year now. He has not won an MLW. So he's really going through a very bad losing streak. And uh, I think it's it's coming to a head and he's he's pissed. Well, how much more pissed can a heel get? I mean, Gino Medina already played dirty. Uh, and we saw that. Like the first match, that the last match that he won was against Gringo Loco when he returned to MLW last March. But since then, it was on a downward spot because he faced Richard Holiday for the Caribbean strap twice 
lost twice. He got the con- uh, he gave Richard Holiday the concussion. We never really saw the upcomings of that storyline in any way. So that's kind of unfinished business. I don't know if maybe down the future they're going to tangle somewhere else. But um, I don't know how much more dirtier can Gino play. He already plays pretty dirty. I mean, this one was not his fault. Just the other team was better. That's just it. The other three guys were on and his three guys were off. It is what it is. Yeah. Let's see what happens. It's interesting. And then we get another great uh, – there's only two matches on the card tonight, this and the main event, which is Kruger and two. But we got a lot of great promos in this one. Again, we got another classic 5150 promo. They're in the club. They're with the girls. They're popping the bottles. They're drinking the champagne in the VIP. And um, they're in Dallas. But the Von Erics ain't here. They ain't here for the homecoming. We took a plane all the way to Dallas, they said. We're here. Where are the Von Erics? They're nowhere to be found. And they gave us Los Parks again? Like, how many more times we got to fight these me- these gringos, these guys? That's what they said. I don't know what the word they used. You just went from Mexicans to gringos to guys. That was amazing. We want to fight these guys, they said. We're tired of fighting these guys. We're the Von Erics. And at that point, Danny Limelight says, you know what? I'm about to make this girl the homecoming queen. I'm going to do what I do. You all have a good night. He takes his girl. They disappear off. We know what's happening. Camera fades back to Slice. He's got his girl up on her lap. He says, get the hell out of here. Go away. Go away. But 5150, again, 45 seconds max on camera, and they leave an impression with you that you need to see more. Every time. Every time. Every time. And uh, then we get, <laughs> then we get the Alex Kane and the Calvin Takeman almost prelude tale of the tape. You get the recap. Yep. You get the full <laughs> recap, but from the mouse of straight from these two gentlemen. And Alex Kane had some great sound bites. The difference between the champ and challenger is one has the gold and one is chasing it. Tankman is sweaty and nasty. Who would want to wrestle this guy? <laughs> Tankman, Kane screwed me. And it was intentional. He took it all from me from the Opera Cup. And I got this close and he messed it up for me. Emilio to Kane. At this point, once we get past the recap, Emilio is now with Kane. And he says to Kane, the streets are talking. And Kane says, Dallas is going to know crybaby Calvin. They're going to figure it out. And that he's a fraud. And when it's all said and done, the crowd is going to be chanting, boom, I a, boom, I a. So I, I will say this in this little back and forth before Emilio got the exclusive like 30 seconds with Kane. Uh, Kane won this war of the words. Tankman said a couple of okay things, but Kane really won it. One has the gold, one is chasing it. Tankman is 380 pounds, sweaty and nasty. Who the fuck would want to wrestle this guy? So, I mean, like, Kane, as I find as he grows into this heel character that he's playing so perfectly right now, he's really coming into his own. And even though we already recognized how special he was very early on when we had him on last year um, on Rewind, He's really stepped up his game. His promos are fire. His in-ring ability was all amazing. Another great soundbite actually just popped in my head. Yes, it's true. I have over 100 suplexes in my arsenal. <laughs> like, Kane, Kane could do no wrong in my eyes, much like 5150. Uh, he's just getting better and better. And I, I see the charisma and I see the confidence growing. And Kane is, he's already amazing, but now he's just going to become incredible. Well, and it, like you said, he's young. So he's only going to get better from here, which is scary. So it's, it's going to be fun watching this dude's career. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, we're, only, we're not even at the tip of the iceberg yet. He's still got so Yeah, we're just time. scratching the surface. We are. We're 100% scratching the surface. And as quick as Emilio went from Kane, he finds Gino in the halls. 
Emilio was all over this episode tonight. He finds Gino in the halls. He wants an exclusive. Gino runs right past him, and he attacks a luchador in the back. Now, forgive me, but I'm not sure which one it was. I don't think it was Aramis, because Aramis was wearing all gold. Who was the luchador that he attacked, Rob? I missed it, too. I, I missed tell it. Who it was, but it was it was a luchador of some kind. I think it was Aramis, but I'm not 100% sure. He's beating the crap out of him to the point where when they finally pulled Gino off of this luchador, his hands are covered in blood. And the back of the luchador's head is just dripping blood. So Gino, like you said, he snapped. He's lost it completely. And now he's just taking his frustrations out on anybody he can get his hands on. It doesn't matter. If you're walking in front of him, you're in trouble. So I don't know what uh, repercussions Gino will be facing, but I'm pretty sure Cesar Durant will not be happy that that went down because, I mean, he brought all those luchadors over from Mexico. He doesn't want to lose any stock in his investment. And if you're have taken one of them out, there's definitely going to be repercussions from Cesar Durant. And we get the Hammer and Davey kind of tail of the tape as well. A couple great sound bites here. Hammer wants to prove he's the best, and Davey respects Hammer. Both are at the top of their game. Uh, Davey, I hear that I'm a legend. And it's not about that. I want the world title. Nothing else matters unless you have it. A name is just a name. So these two guys are ready. And keep keep in contrast here about this little back and forth tale of the tape they did because the end of the episode kind of ties into what they were talking about. In that. I was going to say, we don't know if this match is going to happen. No, we don't. And we'll, we'll explain why. And now it's main event time. What can we say about this match? It's about 10 minutes. Jacob Fatu. Uh, Max Ruger, they went everywhere. And I got to say, Ruger really impressed me in this match. Um, man, he did a couple great over-the-top dives. He did a couple great crossbodies. He took a lot of great bumps. For two at one point, threw him off the ramp into the guardrail about five feet away from the entrance ramp of the facility. So... Kruger and Fatu both really did take some big bumps in this. Uh, right at the beginning, too, Fatu, Kruger tossed Fatu, and Fatu, like, hit the... Like, he tossed him on the outside, full, like, beel throw kind of deal, and Fatu looked like he hit hard. And I, I like, I winced watching that. Yeah, he looked a little slow when he upon getting up. He got up very gingerly on that one. But these two went but, back and but, forth. Yeah. Yeah, say, no, I was going to say, Fatu looking trim. Fatu is cutting weight. If he's not, he certainly looks like it. Uh, Kruger looked in great shape. It, it, overall, I, I enjoy. It was a like it was a brawl. It was exactly yeah, was the say, kind of brawl you would expect. It was, just, it was literally figuring out which two of these was the actual weapon of Contra, if you will. Who was the true monster of Contra? That's what this match was kind of settling. And um, we also had a returning Kevin Koo. He came out and he wanted a little bit of action. Or sorry, Akira Kwan, my apologies. Akira Kwan, yeah. I don't know why I said Kevin Koo. Akira Kwan, he came out. He was trying to help Kruger, but Fatu is too quick. He ducked out of the way. Uh, Kwan gets Kruger's side of the temple, eventually leading Fatu to the win. And then after the bell, it didn't matter. They still fought. Just kept going. Jacob finally had had enough and he just started walking to the back. And then Kruger's kind of crawling on the ram. And Kwan is stupid enough to try to help Kruger like he thinks they're still friends. And what does he get for his reward, Rob? Kruger throws him like a pillow onto Jacob Fatu, then in turn dives onto, onto Quan and Fatu. And that's kind of how that match ended. It kind of goes, the camera fades out at that point. But this match was a fucking war. It was 10 minutes, and it was the best I'd ever seen Max Kruger thus far in MLW. A lot of his other matches are kind of jokey and very sloppy, but this match, it looked like he really wanted to show what he could do. And I, I, I gotta say, I'm a fan of Kruger. 
from his promos of recent where we could actually hear him to what he did in the ring against Fatu. Yeah, he lost the match, but he actually they actually did it in a way where he lost the match, but he really didn't. It wasn't his fault. Quan interfered. Quan cost him the win. So if anything, both men still look very strong in this match. Fatu getting the win, but Kruger losing, but not losing. I think Kruger overall, yeah. Kruger won a lot of fans on this episode. They they protected Kruger with the finish. Um, he He's not uh, like a new wrestler by any means. He's a vet, but he really looks like since the breakup of Contra, he's kind of turned a corner. Uh, really like his, like you said, his promos, his performances. He's looking a lot better. He's not shackled with Contra anymore. He's free to do his own thing, much like Fatu. Uh, this was a great match, 10 minutes. It seemed like it went longer, which means that it was a good match because I felt like I was watching a longer, more drawn-out brawl when really it was only 10 minutes. So they managed to pack a lot into that 10 minutes. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but, man, rough couple of weeks for Ikoro Kwan. You get your ass beat by Nduka. Yeah. You call out Fatu. He beats your ass. Yeah. You go to help Kruger. Fatu hits you, and then Kruger beats your ass rough rough couple of weeks for Ikaro Kwan. I hope his health insurance is paid up. Well, if it isn't paid up, he's definitely lost his deductible after the Induka and Fatu call out. That's for sure. That's 100% for sure. Yes, but Kwan, if I was Kwan, I would stay away from everybody now. I would just kind of do my own thing, stop getting involved because this this was a nice way to close the chapter that is Contra. The only other way we can really tie up any loose ends is what happened to Joseph Samael. Because after Fatu lost the title, he disappeared completely. He was on the posters for War Chamber. He did promos for War Chamber. Then he was mysteriously off the promo from War Chamber and replaced with the Sensei Death Squad member. And since then, we have not seen Joseph Samael or any of the Sensei Death Squad for that point. So I don't. I they 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 do need to tie that little tidbit up. Even though they talked about it, they do need to tie that little tidbit up. I I think. Joseph Semiel might be done with MLW. Not entirely sure. Um, just based off his Instagram page, he seems like he's doing other non-wrestling stuff right now. So who knows? But I, I do hope they bring him back in some capacity, uh, even as like a, a ringside manager for somebody. Because Semiel's just, he's money. And that dude's got a, a mind for the business. I know he's doing his PCO, PCW Ultra stuff. Um but bring, bring back Samuel because that dude's just just great. Absolutely. So we talked about quickly, just before we go wrap up another few minutes of the show, uh, the camera faded away from the Kruger and Fatu match. And it's Durant in a, looks like a wood chipping warehouse of some kind. The outside looked very, I don't know, it looked like a very, it looked like it had the dolly for the, the logs would go into chip wood. I'm not sure. It actually looked kind of like a wood chipper or paper mill. I'm not sure. But Durant is there. And somehow his office is beautifully covered in all kinds of oak. So the outside of the facility and the inside of the facility don't seem to match. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, he's on the phone. And who interrupts? None other than MLW's power couple. That's right. The dynastic one, Richard Holiday, and Mrs. Dynastic, Alicia Altoot. They interrupt. And right away, one of these soldiers, and Holiday goes, hold on. This is business. Durant hangs up the phone. And he says, Durant, you owe me. You made a promise to me. And I expect you to keep it. I want my title shot after all. And he lists all the things he's done for Durant. And Durant says, you're right. But unfortunately, my hands are tied. Davey has signed the contract. Now, there is a stipulation. If Davey cannot make it to the ring, let's say he's injured. He didn't do the bunny ears, by the way. I'm doing it. Yeah. Injured. You would be an excellent substitute. 
and the camera fades out with Alicia and Richard doing those very sexy, schemey grins. And the last word of dialogue we hear is Richard say, interesting. Interesting. And then the camera fades out. So, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure out what's going to happen. Davey Richards and Richard Holiday at some point over the next episode or two, uh, that fight is supposed to happen next week, but we're not sure if it's going to happen now. But at some point, Davey Richards, there might be an attempt on your body, buddy. So you may want to, you know, you may want to pay up your health insurance because the dynastic one has you in his sights now because he wants his shot at hammer. Now, Rob, I got to pick your brain about this because you and I, we, we've been fans for a long time, so we could kind of read engaged storylines, but sometimes they throw us a curve that we're not expecting. Mm-hmm. If Holiday does somehow become a substitute for Davey Richards, do they, do they really take the title off Hammer this quickly in his reign? I mean, it's no, I, I, six months. I'll tell you what happens is uh, Holiday attempts to injure Davey Richards. Mm-hmm. It okay. does not work. During the Richards uh, hammer match, Holiday or somebody will likely interfere, causing a DQ or double count out or something like that to in order to protect both the champion and the challenger who is undefeated and, you know, uh, add more layers to the storyline. That's how I would book it personally, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I, I still think the match is going to go ahead as Davey Richards and and uh hammerstone i think the holiday hammer thing will be a little more drawn out and i i don't know if rich has enough right now i think he needs to get in hammer's head more i think he needs to play more mind games with him before he gets that title shot hmm Interesting. I would wonder how the mind games would work because, I mean, Richard Holiday is not really dark and mysterious and deceptive. I find mind games work better with kind of a dark and demonic character. Uh, Mind games don't really work so much with a power couple versus the New Age Hulk Hogan. I don't know how the mind games are going to work so much. I mean, I honestly thought the way the story was going, it was going to be like a mega powers thing before Alicia turned. I thought maybe Hammer was going to develop a crush on Alicia and we were finally going to get to see Richard's crush come out and I thought that's how they were going to work it somehow and end up like they did with Miss Elizabeth back in the day right mm-hmm. where Macho and, and Hogan Faro I thought that's where they were going with it but then they swerved me and Alicia turning was just gold I mean it's always been me and you're nothing and then the slap across the face and I gotta say in that promo that Hammer cut on Davey I could still see a couple fingerprints in his face. I think she got, she still got him. Like he, you know what? Richard has already space in Hammer's head. So I don't know if I agree so much with the mind game stuff, but I like how you booked it. I would book it a little differently, but not too much differently than that. But I I see your wavelength and I agree with it. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's already, the mind game's already there. Richard doesn't need to do any more. At this point, he's already in Hammer's head full out. Hammer's uh, yeah. thinking about him and thinking about Davy Richards at the same time. I, I think if you've got your you've got Hammer who's taken over the t- title from Jacob Fatu, who had such a dominant long reign. And if you're gonna have Hammer have such a short reign, um, it kind of questions like how good was Hammer. So I, I think Hammer's going to have the belt for a little while longer, and I think things with, with him and Richard will be a little more drawn out. You know what? I agree with you, but I also think Hammer's at his best when he's chasing. 
That's what well, I enjoyed so much about. I, I mean, I, I love the payoff about Hammer getting it, but the two years he spent chasing for two, that was good to me. So I would book it where Richard would injure Davey, therefore still protecting Davey because Davey never lost. He just never was able to make it to the mm-hmm. match. He replaces Hammer. Him and Alicia screw Hammer out of the title. And then it's like a race for Hammer to get his vengeance. And sometimes a quick title drop and then recapturing it, that gives Hammer a little bit of legacy. Is now a two-time heavyweight champion in MLW. Mm-hmm. But it also establishes that no matter how much you can fuck with Hammer, he always finds a way to come out on top. And that's the way I would book it. I would book it where Richard gets the ultimate payoff. He screws Hammer. But then it becomes just Hammer fucking with Richard and Alicia. Maybe doing small things like interrupting a date or sending... They go to a fancy steakhouse and instead of steak, he sends them two fish heads. Like, you know, like mess, like little semi-messages like that. I think Hammer playing mind games would be a nice twist and a different feel to this storyline than simply just Richard gaining heat until he gets the payoff. I think Hammer dropping the title is not a bad idea if to eventually get it back and whoop Richard's ass. To finish it off in like a steel cage where Richard can't possibly run away. That's my yeah. ultimate payoff. I, I think like generally speaking, it's it's kind of like wrestling 101 that it's usually better to have a heel champion and a face chasing that heel champion. Unless you've got somebody at the level of like a Hulk Hogan, uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, where they're they're a babyface, but they're just they're beyond over. Like it doesn't matter if they're chasing or not because they're so over. It doesn't fucking matter. But generally speaking, it's always better programs to have a face chasing a heel champion. It's just a it's just a, a wrestling thing. It's been that way for a long, long time. Go look at history and. The best programs are usually a face chasing a heel champion. So I, I I like the way you booked it as well. It could go either way, and I'm interested to see what Court does with it. Absolutely. We all know the Mad Genius always has something brewing. He never turns it off. Even when he's sleeping, he's still working storylines out in his dreams. I know that for sure. All right, guys, this has been the Rewind. Rod, you want to shout out your socials real quick? Go ahead, just shout out your Instagram, then I'll shout out your fucking Twitter because you never do it. Yeah, my tired ass is uh, available on Instagram. You can reach me at the real Uncle Bobby B. And he's also on Twitter at the underscore uncle underscore Bobby underscore B. Sure, yeah, I'm on Twitter. He's on Twitter, but he never uses it. But he's on there. I tag him. He never tweets anything. Never. And as I haven't opened Twitter in months. If you're watching this on YouTube, then you're already at the Straight Talk page. Please hit that subscribe button. We are at 465. The goal was 470 by the end of March because we already surpassed the end of February goal already. Would love to get 470 by the end of March. And that's working our way towards that 5150, which I'm trying to change to 550 because that is at least a little bit closer to getting 5150 on the show. And don't forget, guys, in a few weeks, we are going to have one member of MLW's power couple returning to rewind i'm not going to tell you who it's going to be but one of the two richard holiday or lee Two, are going to be back with your rewind panel to discuss all things the ultimate power couple so tune in for that one i'm your host your boy george mckay socials are straight talk wrestling everywhere except twitter we are at underscore straight talk and that's it peace love and wrestling we'll see you guys next time please subscribe help us grow help us get there adios